Good morning, church. Radiant. Are we excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen, amen. Oh my goodness. I just am continuously trying to get into this habit of just stopping in the moment. And, and I've talked about this before, but this is one of those moments this morning. I'm just here and I'm just looking at you. We're worshiping in the King's house together this morning. What a blessing that is to be here with you. So thank you for coming this morning. My name is Maddie, and I'm the campus pastor here at Radiant Church. Uh, some of our people, some of our volunteers are out in Ankeny this morning, like Kelsey mentioned, for that wedding. And uh, But I'm excited to be here with you this morning. And, and I've got a word for you today. Uh, we live in a generation of endless options. We live in a generation where you can literally customize anything right down to your specific personal preference in detail. You can choose anything, customize anything, adjust anything, and as my dear friends at Burger King would say, you truly can have it your way. A practical and even what I think is a funny way of looking at this is the way that, oh, respectfully, some of you are ordering your coffees these days, okay? And if you're here this morning, I pray that you're convicted by this and that you repent. Some of you are ordering your coffees like this person here. What is this? What is this? Okay. <laughs> That's Ashley's order. Ashley, we're calling you out this morning. Vanilla cream cold brew, 10 pumps of vanilla, 5 pumps caramel, 5 pumps classic syrup, 5 more pumps of caramel, 5 pumps white mocha, whole milk, coconut milk, heavy cream, cinnamon dolce, vanilla powder, extra cream, 5 sweet and low, light ice, stevia, splenda, sugar, dark chocolate curls, almond milk, sweet cream, extra whip. <sighs> what? Are you kidding me? Repent. Repent. Okay. <laughs> If you're wondering, my coffee order is a iced latte with almond milk. Anytime you want to bring me one, I'm simple, okay? We can customize anything right down to our particular preference. Completely customized, personalized. And truly, if we're being honest, I'm going to be honest with you, I love living in a world where I can have it my own way. I love living in a world where I can have things personalized right down to the touch. And let's be honest, because I know that some of you, if not all of us, are living in this tension as well. It's a control thing. We like to have control. Your way, your world, your truth, your customized settings, your comfort, your will, your way, your kingdom. Your kingdom. But this morning, you're here. You're here at church with us, and you're singing along to songs that are praising a man named Jesus. You're singing about his will, his way, his resurrection, his kingdom, the fact that he is our firm foundation. You might even raise your hands. You might even clap. You might even say amen. But do we know what we're saying amen to? Are we saying amen and raising our hands to his kingdom or to our personalized, customized idea of his kingdom? We who know about Jesus but are living in the real world, we find ourselves at a crossroads. We come to church, we know these things, and we must choose. Are we following our kingdom or Jesus' kingdom? And as we are making that decision, do we know and are we aware of the fact that his kingdom is completely upside down in comparison to anything we've ever experienced? In the middle of the 20th century, there's a professor named uh, Theodore Erisman. There's, I got a picture of him up here. 
um, he performed an experiment. And what he did was he gave his subjects these glasses that you can see right here. He gave them these glasses, and what they did was they turned everything upside down. He had them walk around and perform various tasks and, and live with these glasses on for weeks on end. And at first, you guys, it was a hot mess express. It was bad, okay? These people were stumbling all over the place. Even simple tasks as walking or riding a bike, they couldn't complete because everything they saw outside of these glasses was upside down. They would try to pour coffee in their cup, and they would accidentally turn the cup upside down and pour hot coffee all over themselves. And if they were practicing fencing, the defender would go high, but the attacker would go low, and vice versa. They just could not figure it out. However, over the course of a few days, the subjects began to slowly but surely adapt to their surroundings and adapt to this new upside-down world. They began to compensate for the differences, and after 10 to 12 days, almost all the subjects had fully adapted to their upside-down surroundings. It had become their new normal. With their new set of lenses, they could now go on about life undeterred, and things seemed normal. But however, in the end, it was still upside-down. They had just grown accustomed to it over time. What happens when you are seeing the world upside down and you have accepted it as true? In this new upside down reality, could you as a person imagine you're going through the world, you are doing what you're supposed to do with these upside down glasses on, could you imagine yet someone coming up to you, you've adapted to this new upside down world, you're used to it, it is your new normal, it is your new reality, and someone comes up to you and they try to tell you that everything is actually different. You're not who you really think you are. Everything you think you've come to know is a lie about your reality, your personal identity, your purpose. Everything is false. Your life as you know it is a lie. Your worldview is upside down. Wouldn't you think they were crazy? But yet this is the kingdom of Jesus. It's upside down. John 18, 36, Jesus is being arrested before he's crucified and he says these words, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. My kingdom is from another place. The world teaches us, acquire as much as you can. Win, 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 whatever the cost. And the person with the most cool stuff, they definitely win. Put yourself first, seek power, seek fame, followers, money, recognition. There are no absolutes and there's no such thing as right or wrong. The world teaches us that there are multiple ways to God. Be accepting of all opinions, religions, and philosophies. You are in charge of your own life. You are the captain of your own ship. It's my body, my stuff. My life, my will, my way, my kingdom. This is what the world teaches us. But yet Jesus would tell us that the first is last. And the last is first. We gain it all by losing everything. 
We fight by turning the other cheek. Love is laying down your life for a friend. And think of others more highly than yourself. Blessed is the meek. Forgive others. Here's a big one. Love your enemies. Not just accept them and tolerate them. Love your enemies. It's not what you do, but what is already done. The cost to enter the kingdom is death, and the result of death is life. This kingdom is completely upside down to what the world tells us. It's what's already done. I love that. At Radiant, you hear us say all the time that we would never ask you to go forth and do something that your leaders have not already gone forth and done or are doing. And that's not some like fancy saying that we came up with because we're really smart, okay? Uh, we're not. That is something that we model after the life of Jesus. Because as we seek his upside down kingdom, as we seek his will and his way, we see that he's already done all these things. He is the human standard for living. He's already gone before us. And in this world's kingdom, dead people stay dead. Dead people stay dead. That makes all the logical sense. Dead people stay dead. But in the upside down kingdom, death means life. And as we continue in our series of what you build your house on matters, we're talking about all these foundational truths of Christianity, foundational truths that one believes as they are, disciple, as they are a disciple of Jesus Christ. And, and one of those foundational truths is death and res- resurrection. Author Christopher Wright says this, it is from an empty tomb we see ourselves as a new creation. Being transformed into the image of Christ. The empty tomb and this new life is an invitation to see the world in a new way. I love this. As God sees it. To see the world as God sees it. The people of God indwell God's story. And by their lives offer an alternative to others and an invitation to come live in that story. It is because of the empty tomb we see ourselves as new creation. We must understand that it is because of Jesus and only because of Jesus, his death, his resurrection, that we have even a chance, even an opportunity to see the world as God does. It is only because of his death and only because of his resurrection that we have the opportunity to be in communion with a holy God. And within the resurrection lies the hope of all of this. Because it's not just his death, amen? It's not just his death, amen? That's a big deal. That's the foundation of our entire thing here. It's not just our death. Because three days later, he would return the hope that the world was looking for. Three days later, our king would rise from the grave, taking away the sting of death, trampling sin, in giving us freedom, the ability to be in communion with him, the ability to serve our king, a king who is very much alive, very much on his throne, and very much active within us. The beauty of Christianity and the beauty of the resurrection is the hope that we have. Radiant Church, Christianity has something that is different from every other religion, and that is that we don't serve a dead God. 
We don't participate in a dead religion. Our God is not about legalism and doing and doing and doing while you are still dead, but it is the freedom that you have because of what has already been done. That is our king, our King Jesus. S.M. Lockridge was a preacher in the mid-1900s, and I don't have near as much power and, for, and veracity as he does, but I want to share with you just, a, 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 just a, a piece from one of his sermons called, That's My King. And I won't share the whole thing with you, just an excerpt, but listen to this. This is our king. My king was born king. He's God's son, he's the sinner's savior, he's the centerpiece of civilization. He stands alone in himself, he is supreme, and he is preeminent, he is unparalleled. He is the wellspring of wisdom, he is the doorway of deliverance, he's the pathway of peace, he's the roadway to righteousness, he's the highway of holiness, he's the gateway of glory. He's the master of the mighty, the captain of the conquerors, the head of heroes, the leader of the legislators, the overseer of the overcomers, the God of governors, the prince of princes, the king of kings, and the Lord of lords. That's my king. His promise is sure. His life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteousness. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Almost done. He has no predecessor and he has no successor. There was nobody before him, and there will be nobody after him. You can't impeach him. He's not going to resign. He's enduringly strong, entirely sincere, eternally steadfast, immortally graceful, imperially powerful, impartially merciful. That's my king. Amen? And when we think of following that king, of course we say amen. And of course, we get excited. That's all truth. He is all of those things, and that's our king. That is the king we get to follow. Of course, we get excited. But in Luke 9, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and in verses 23 and 24, it says, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. It's not just his death that matters. It's our death that matters. Not as much of excitement and amens there. That's okay. But how can we attain new life, resurrected life, church, without death? Not death physically necessarily, but death to our desires, Death to our control, death to our opinions, death to our preferences, death to our kingdom. And we started this morning talking about choices and adjusting and customizing. That's not really an option here. Sometimes I think that we are not blunt enough in the global church about the fact that Jesus is not asking for your adjustments. Jesus is not asking for your preferences. Jesus is not asking for your customizations and your adjustments to his word. He's asking for everything. 
Again, not as many amens there. (laughs) He's asking for everything. And really, what we get in return, everything is not that much, is it? He calls us to die to ourselves, and he invites us into a way of life to be with him, to be like him, to do the things that he did with a community that's doing the same thing. And and last week, we talked about God, and God is our foundation. This week, we're talking about the building materials, which is Jesus. And here's the fact. You can believe in God as your foundation, but if you have not given everything of yourself for Jesus, you can still build a junky house with not great building materials. What are you building your house with? Jesus is the standard for what it means to be human. He models what we want to build our house with. His behaviors, his discipline, his life is our greatest model for living. He says, come and follow me. He invites us into his, this way. In the New Testament, in fact, he says it 22 times. Come and follow me. Come and follow me. Follow me. We hear all the time, are you being discipled? Are you discipling someone? We talk about this all the time. Are you being discipled? Are you discipling someone? We exist to multiply disciples, leaders in churches, okay? We talk about this all the time. And and if you're involved here at Radiant Church, maybe you've been involved in a discipleship relationship. I have, I disciple others. It's an incredible thing. And and what a discipling relationship sometimes will look like is maybe you meet weekly or bi-weekly, you get together and, and maybe you go through a guided book study or maybe you just dive into one of the gospels together. You pray together, worship together. You do life together in order to grow closer to the Lord, to learn what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And, and what I think is so interesting, though, is we'd say discipling all the time as it's a verb. But if you look in the New Testament, disciples actually more used as a noun. It's used as a noun. And what that would mean is that it wasn't just an idea. It wasn't a hobby that you would try or a class that you would take. To be a disciple is who you are. It is your entire identity. And we've talked about this. A disciple is one uh, in, the old, in the New Testament who would take everything uh, under the rabbi's teaching, okay? The aim here would be to take on the rabbi's whole entire life, to follow them in the most literal sense, to go where they would go, to eat what they would eat, to sleep where they would sleep, to talk how they would talk, to do what they did. All of these things, to say what they would say. And there wasn't a lot of room for customizations and adjustments in that routine. It was your life with the rabbi. So to back to our talk on customizations, you can't really develop your own way of being a disciple. It's not one that you can pick and choose and adjust and add to yourself a low-fat steam foam with a caramel drizzle. That's not an option. It's his way entirely. And at some point, church, we should reach this point at the end of ourselves and our innermost being when you say, God, I don't want my choice anymore. I don't want my choice. I give it to you. I don't want my control. I don't want my kingdom. I'm seeking you entirely. (coughs) Excuse me. Because I think that so many of us, so often in the church, and I'm guilty of this as well, I think that we love and are so comfortable 
with the idea of Christian culture. We love Christian culture. We love that the idea that our family can come together in the morning and we can sit in a row together. We love the idea that we can sing some songs. We love small groups and dinners and game nights. We love raising our hands on a Sunday, clapping during baptism. We love saying amen to the pastor's word. We love that our kids can go back into a safe and fun environment and they can burn off some energy and they can learn some good values. We love our women's group. We love getting them together for ladies' nights and games' nights. And we love that our men get together on Saturdays. We love all of these ideas. But then my question for you, as we are trying to follow Jesus entirely, is what if it's not just about the ideas? What if it is about complete and total surrender? And what about when that gets hard? What about when Jesus asks you, as he did in the Old Testament, to give all you have to the poor? Give up your stuff. When he says not to idolize your family. When he says to set aside your political preferences and ideas for the kingdom. What about when he says to be Jesus to those Title IX housing communities that are moving in? What about when it means seeing the homeless as humans made in the image of God and not an eyesore and a burden when I pull up to a red light? What if it means going to church instead of your kid's sporting event on a Sunday? What about when it gets hard and he says you need to bring your addiction into the light with others? Do we still want to follow Jesus entirely or do we want to customize it to our own preferences? In those moments, we are faced with a question, and this is what I want you to take home with today. I didn't put it on the screen, so you can write it down if you want. Do I like Christian culture, or do I like Christ in my culture? Because there's a big difference. You can like all the benefits, you can like the community, you can like the excitement around baptism, you can like all of these things, but when the going gets hard, do you still just like those ideas or do you like Christ in your culture? Because it's different. It's different. Eugene Peterson, the theologian and author, said it so well when he said, the Jesus truth only, only when it is wedded to the Jesus way produces the Jesus life. The Jesus truth gets far more attention that's that Christian culture, gets far more attention than the Jesus, Jesus as the way. Jesus as the way is the most frequently evaded metaphor among Christians with whom I have worked for 50 years as a North American pastor. Do you like Christian culture or do you like Christ in your culture? In Hebrews 5, 13 through chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, Christian culture, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, Christ in our culture. But solid food, Christ in our culture, is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, 
Let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. God is the foundation. Jesus is the building materials. So will you choose him? That's the question. Will you choose him and will you choose him entirely? None of that lukewarm, customized stuff. Will you choose to live in resurrected life, live in the Jesus way, or merely live in a Christian culture with good values and a Sunday morning experience that makes you feel something, feel like you're doing the right thing? To choose him is to choose resurrected life, and to choose resurrected life is to live in an upside-down kingdom, even when the going gets hard. There is power in Jesus. His kingdom is one of hope and change and faith, amen? In his kingdom, darkness trembles and demons flee and hearts are forever changed. He silences fear, he wins our battles, and he goes before us. That is the kingdom you can live in, or we can live in our kingdom. Stale, shallow. I guess at least it feels good. And that's your decision to make.